ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to these go to 11. Once again, I'm Nathan Bell. Steve Hartland joining me tonight. Steve, what's going on, man? Hey, not so much. I'm uh, calling in from home because I just visited one of our church's community groups just to see, you know, what are they like? I'm trying to visit the different groups uh, one a month or something. So uh, thanks for letting me call in. Uh, I'd rather be sitting right there looking at you in that in that room where you have things all set up. But uh, that's about a half hour drive. So anyway... Glad to be here, man. Nice, nice. Yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for calling in tonight. Appreciate it. I know um, schedules have been you know kind of crazy lately, so um, definitely appreciate um, you know you uh, being able to carve out some time tonight for us to talk about our topic, which I'm actually really excited for. But before we get into the topic, I want to um, just make a couple of announcements. First of all, um, want to thank Mission Aware once again for. You know, great sponsorship, uh, great partnership that we've enjoyed with them over the years, and you know, hopefully, we'll be continuing to enjoy that. Um, don't forget to check them out. Um, you know, I'm once again just reminded of some of the great products they have, um, the flasks that you can get for, um, you know, drinking um, the adult beverages that one enjoys on occasion. Um, you know, and they're uh, they're nice and compact. They come with cool little funnels, and you can get all the cool designs on there. You can get Spurgeon. You can get the quotes. Um, I've got the one that has the post Tenenbaum Lux on it with uh, Tenenbaum Lux. Sorry, um, with the uh, skeleton on it. So you know, um, I'm just I'm down with that um, saying. I'm down with that quote, and I um, got it on everything. So um, you know, great opportunity to check out Mission Aware for all of you out there. Um, and then second is a really um, kind of great announcement. Uh, something came out of the blue a couple weeks ago where um, a representative of Grace Hill Media contacted these go to 11 uh, to just see, you know, um, the person said, you know, they really enjoyed the podcast and thought we could, you know, form some sort of partnership together. Uh, and after talking with this person, that is going to be a go ahead. So, um, Grace Hill Media, for those of you who may or may not be aware, they, um, deal with the, um, you know, Christian advertising side of things or the, the, the family friendly side of things. So, you know, Wrinkle in Time is a new movie coming out this spring. Um, their plan is to try to get me to go and see a showing of that and do a review of that movie and try to get people interested in it. Um, you know, and then, um, they've got some great authors that they work with, um, trying to get out there. And so, um, got a book coming out. I'm not going to spoil it, but book and author coming out, um, that we're going to be talking with next week. Um, so really looking forward to being able to, um, you know, kind of go into this partnership with Grace Hill Media and uh, I hope our listeners will too. So, um, that was our big announcement that we had. Very excited for it. Um, you know, PNR Publishing, love partnering with them. Um, they had some changes over there recently. We kind of lost contact with them. Um, so maybe at some point we'll hook up with them again, but things have just been crazy difficult and, um, been working on, you know, trying to get information on, uh, the Grace Hill media and, uh, get going with those people. So really looking forward to doing that and, um, can't wait for, uh, some of the, some of the reviews that we're going to have and discussions we're going to have about books and movies and all that stuff. So pretty exciting. Pretty cool. Hey, I want to go back for a second to something you just said. You were talking about the shirt that you have. Yeah. 
and it's the post Tenebrous Lux After Darkness Light yep. shirt, and it's got a skeleton on it. Yeah. So, interesting thing. Uh, one Sunday, uh, one of our drummers at church, and you can barely see the drummers, they're behind this glass shield. You know, you've all seen those, you barely see them back there, but he was wearing a shirt that had a lot of sublimated design on it, and you could make out a skull on his shirt. Uh-huh. Well, a guy in our church who's in his early 60s, nice guy, I love him, he's a great guy, um, came to me and he was really concerned that we should not allow this drummer to wear a shirt with skulls because to him, skulls are like from the underworld, that's from the devil, that's from demons, they're into skulls and stuff. Uh, and I told him, brother, uh, I don't know, I guess it depends on where you come from, you know, the skulls didn't mean that at all to me. Right. So I'm curious, would you have had any kind of reaction to, well, I guess not, you're wearing this skeleton yeah, shirt. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, you know, I go around wearing that. Um, it's interesting because people, um, people definitely do a double take when they, um, when they look at me. I used to, when I first started wearing the shirt around last year, I had several people kind of look at it and they're like, I I don't know that that's totally appropriate. And I'm like, well, do you know uh, what it means? Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I was like, well, do you know what it means? Well, no. And so, you know, I explained to him and I was like, look, this was the battle cry of the Reformation. And it doesn't ra- matter whether, you know, you're reformed or not. At the end of the day, you know um, – any evangelical Christian knows that the Reformation was a pretty big deal in uh, Christian history. And so, you know, once I explain that to them and, you know, I, I actually have the added advantage that I have the verse on the back. So I'm able to turn around and show them. They're like, oh, wow. You know, that actually, that's really cool. I really like that, you know, so. Now they want to order one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, I, you know, I find that sort of thing funny when, you know, people um, ascribe certain meanings to things that really uh, have no meaning in and of themselves. You know, we we are yes. the ones that ascribe and that put the meaning on certain things and symbols and, and all that stuff. So, And we do so according to where we've come from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. <coughs> Sorry. All right, Nathan. <coughs> a great topic chooser and maker because you are. I don't do that at all. You do it all. That's your department. Mm-hmm. What's our topic for today? Yeah, so the topic over the weekend, we just celebrated the one-year anniversary of our current president, uh, Mr. Uh, president Donald Trump, being in office. And, of course, you know, there are all these protests out there. And, um, you know, one of the great privileges we have as American citizens is the ability to lawfully voice our opinion about uh, the government and about um, what is being done in the government, and I, you know, I think that's a fantastic thing that we have the ability to do that. Now, um, I myself don't do that. I don't participate in that, um, and part of that is because, and I've said this on the podcast before, I am, I am very apathetic when it comes to politics. I, for me personally, I go to a very dark place when I engage in politics um, <laughs> with people. And uh, there's just no other explanation for it. Um, And I would rather not go to that place. I would rather, you know, it's not that I stick my head in the sand and believe everything's all kumbaya and and marvelous and bravo. It's just I've come to the point where I've just had to not care because of how how much I did care. 
and how much emphasis mm. I put on caring about those mm. things as opposed to other things that I believed mattered more. Um, for so me, there was a time. Huh? Oh yeah, oh yeah. There was a time, and there was a time that I would argue about, um, you know, anything and everything under the sun, and you know, diehard conservative Republican, and if you weren't that, you weren't saved. All that stuff, you know. Like, <laughs> um, and, really, were you pretty far into it? I mean, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say if you're this, you're not saved, but. I would seriously question people on their views and, well, how can you possibly believe this if you're a Christian and how can you – I hear that a lot. um, And so I just realized how how much I was getting into this and how – even to, down and depressed, I was getting over it. You know, if if this political party mm. won or this political party lost, and you know, really just coming to the conclusion that I, you know, it it doesn't matter. Like God is still on His throne; His will is still going to be done. And th- and that's not to take a fatalistic approach to things. I do believe that we should, you know, if if you are convicted that you should go out and vote for things and you should go out and engage in politics. I think you should. I'm yeah, just, yeah, I'm just, I'm not convinced that I need to be doing that. First of all, I'm, I, I have yet to find anyone who can logically show me how my vote on such a large scale makes a difference. Um, I think, you know, if anything, I'd rather put my efforts into voting in um, smaller elections, you know, the small county town elections. Um, I think it has a greater chance of making a difference there. But, you know, whether I do, don't vote who I do or don't vote for in in the election, to me, I I really, you know, presidential election, I don't think it's going to make a difference. And I have yet to find somebody who can actually convince me that it does. Um, Now, all that being said, I also – you know, I look around at you know the places in the world that have the right and the ability to vote, and there are you know godly, gospel-spreading people there. And I look around in the places where they are absolutely oppressed and can't vote, and there are godly, gospel-spreading people there. And so for me, it just it's I felt like I was doing more damage to the gospel in the way I approached this than. Otherwise, And so for me, I just became very disinterested. However, what I found interesting, once I sort of detached myself and was able to step back and look at these things, was how many people do say they're a Christian yet are so ready and willing to disobey the government that is placed over us um, and, and even disrespect. So even if they won't go f- so far as disobeying – completely disrespect the government that is over us. And so, Steve, I thought this might be a good topic for you and I to just explore and and bring out. Um, one of the things that I um, want to bring up, because I've heard this on a number of occasions, and I know you are a um, big gun dude. You love guns. You love training people with guns. You love firing guns. Um, that's just – that's one of your things, man. That's you know your hobby – uh, passion of yours. And so I think that's totally cool. But one of the things that I hear a lot from, again, conservative Christians is, well, if the government wants my gun, they can pry it out of my cold, dead hands. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, and and I scratch my head and I and I look at that and and part of me resp- wants to respond like you and I are, just kind of chuckling and laughing. But then I realize these people are serious. They're serious, yeah. You know, and mm-hmm. so I I just. I want to get your thoughts and opinion on that, Steve, because I know that you are a big gun dude. I know you're a big gun rights dude. Um, you know, but I also know, you know, you do want, you do want, you know, restrictions and regulations. You don't want anybody being able to get their hands on a, on a gun, um, who maybe, you know, has had issues or problems and things like that. Um, you know, and so I just, I want to know your thoughts and opinion on that. You know, the, 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 Bible believing Christian who is, you know, sitting there basically like, if you take my Second Amendment rights away, I will blow you in the face. <laughs> All right, I, I, let's definitely go there, but but hold that thought a second. Would you? I want to go back to something you said a few paragraphs ago, and and for once, Nathan, yeah, for for, for once, I, I was afraid we we're gonna we agree or we would agree on everything again tonight because I'm a pretty a political guy too. Um, I pay attention to politics, but it's not a big issue for me. But um, when, when you were talking about no one has shown you why your vote would matter, yeah, of things. I don't think I can show you how your vote would matter. Casting a vote is almost like buying a lottery ticket. You know, the chances are uh, that, that my vote will make a difference. And chances are very slim. However, uh, I, I like this argument in a lot of different spheres of life. Um, if, if I do something, what if everybody did that something? Mm-hmm. Where would we be? Mm-hmm. And what if everybody said, well, my vote doesn't really matter. It's just one vote. There's a billion people in the country, and so I just won't vote. Uh, nobody would vote. Yeah. Or only those who really got energized by their machinery of their party would vote. Right. Uh, and we wouldn't, have a, we wouldn't have a good cross-section of what America really thinks. Actually, I don't even know the statistics, but it's only a little over half of Americans vote, isn't it? Do you know? Um, I, yeah, I think I think you actually might be right. Yeah, yeah, I think I think you might be right. I don't. I mean, if it is if it is even over half, I mean, you uh, know, uh-huh. I I don't even know if it's that high to be honest with you. Um, yeah, no, and and I think that's I think that's a fair point. I mean, I think it is. I think it is a good point. I think it is a fair point. Um, I think at the end of the day, though, um, you know, a person has to really, you know, just kind of examine themselves. And like I said, for me, if I'm going to vote, I want to be intelligent on the issues that I'm voting on. Um, I want to get into those issues, you know, and I want to I want to be able to. And I just I found that I could not separate myself from the politics. I couldn't just let it be what it was. Um mm. And I wish I could. I really do. I wish it really I could. has power to consume you. It, yeah, it does. And for me, you know, um, th- there are people who will be like, well, you know, you just need to have self-control and blah, 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 blah. And it's like I, I recognize a weakness in myself and I'm choosing to just avoid it. That's really what it comes down to. I see where I believe I am completely injuring the gospel and engaging in politics um, and just – I just don't go there. I really don't. Like when the when the subject of politics comes up, I just smile and nod my head. And it really doesn't matter what people are saying or what side of the fence they're on. Um, that's what I do. I smile and nod my head because I really – I don't want to go down that rabbit trail of 
getting into issues outside of the gospel that I think are hurting my chances of winning this person to Christ. Um, yeah, and, I, I, let's talk about that some later. I, I like that too. Yeah, and, and you're, you're basically saying that you're kind of like the, the guy who drank too much and now he's uh, he's sober and he just, you know, he dare not go back and have a sip or he'll go hog wild again and the thing. And, yeah, um, and... And that's not to say I might not, you know, I might not look at it again. I might not, you know, try to get back into it. I'm just saying for me, um, I I know where my heart is even when people start bringing up these issues. And I start looking – even now, I start when people bring up certain issues and they try to argue certain things. I, I just – I get really annoyed with them and I get very um, – in my in my heart, in some cases, very hostile toward them, um, and so for me, it's just much easier to just you know what, I don't care, <laughs> I you know, um, yeah, I'm not going to be too hard on you for that. <laughs> so you know, and and again, I think I think there are people who would be, and I think you know, I, I think giving the pushback is good, you know, um, to just you know to sit there and say you wouldn't do this or wouldn't do that, you know, like. Um, you know, I will, I mean, I'll say flat out, I've said it before. I said it on this podcast. I did not vote in last year's election. Um, the first mm-hmm. one I did not vote in, um, I feel no guilt, no remorse about it. I'll tell you what, when, um, that day came and, you know, and president Trump was, you know, elected our president, I didn't bat an eyelash one way or the other. And I don't think I would have if, uh, Hillary Clinton had been president because I chose to remove myself from what I believed was a circus act, you know, and I really, I, in good conscience could not look at either one of those people and make a decision about giving one or the other my support. And I'm not judging people who did. I think that this election was crazy. Um, Certainly unique to uh, the history of the elections that we've had. But for me, um, I really I, – I just – I looked at the choices and I was reminded of a quote by Spurgeon that said, uh, you know, when the choice is between the lesser of two evils, choose neither. And for me – I was looking at that and I kept hearing people's arguments about, oh, well, this is the lesser of two evil. That one's the lesser of two evil. That one's the lesser. And I just looked at it and I was like, you know what? I don't think either of them are the lesser of two evils in my opinion. Um, you so know. if there had been a better candidate, one you liked more, you might have voted. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. If All there right. was someone so – reasons for not voting. Yeah. This makes more sense now that you're filling in some of the blanks. Yeah, if there was someone that I felt like, you know what, I can I can throw my support behind this person, then I would, you know, I I would have I would have done that. I just I did not feel that I could put that down. And a lot of people are like, well, you could have just filled filled in the name on the ballot. And that's where I look at it, and I'm like, now I think you're just wasting my time. Yeah, that's worthless, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Put my name on there. Right. Be exactly. One vote for Steve Harvey. Right. Exactly. It's like, well, well, now I'm just going and waiting in a 30 minute line to fill in some person that I know is not <laughs> going to be elected. Um, yeah. You know, and again, I, I do feel like, you know what? I, I think I do make a difference on a local level, you know, where I'm going in and I'm influencing, you know, the, the representative, the town representatives and the senators and the laws that are being passed locally here. I do try to get up on those and I do try to get in and get invested in those. 
But on this national level, um, you know, again, first and foremost, yes, I don't think that I could have put my name behind either one, and I wasn't going to go and just fill someone in that wasn't going to be elected. <laughs> um, I respect that. So, yeah, my overall position is, uh, as I said, I'm fairly apolitical, and and that is because I am so for the kingdom of God that my comparison is that it's as if I don't care yeah. about. Other, other kingdoms. Now, it, I, I mean that in kind of in the same way that Jesus said, uh, if you want to be my disciple, you've got to hate your father and mother and follow me. Right. And, and he doesn't really mean hate your father and mother. Right. You've got to honor and respect and love your father and mother. But it's that I require such allegiance that by comparison, it's almost as if you hate your father and mother. We understand that's what he really meant. So in the same way, uh, I, I want, I, I'm so interested in the kingdom of God, the gospel, uh, the Church of Jesus Christ, that, um, to me, politics is small beans. Yeah, yeah. It just doesn't matter that much. And, you know, for a lot of people, like m- my sister, who's not a Christian, politics is huge, because it's all she's got. Right. She doesn't have the kingdom of God. She doesn't have eternity. She doesn't have the gospel. She doesn't have Jesus Christ. So what's she got? Politics. Right. And trying to fight for the rights of this individual or those, that group over there, whatever, and lining up behind her. Her, uh, the, the party of her choice. She, by the way, was devastated when Donald Trump was elected. <laughs> and to this day, we've had this discussion recently. Uh, she literally does not believe there is one good thing about him. Well, I can't get up on it. There's got to be something. There's something right. decent about everybody. Right. I'm reminded of a woman, a woman who uh, would never, she, she would never say anything negative about anybody. So they thought they had her one day and they went and said, all right, man, uh, what do you think about the devil? Mm-hmm. And she said, well, he's consistent. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's something good that can be said about everybody. Right, so, right. <laughs> uh, when you can't say anything good about somebody, you're demonstrating to me that you're not being rational, you're not being reasonable, you're not, let's not even have any conversations because it's not going to be rational. But anyway, right. I'm a pretty apolitical guy because what I really care about is like, the kingdom of God. It's almost as if, like, if you sent me to China to be a missionary, yeah, would I really get into China politics right. and which ones I line up with and who I favor? And probably not, right? Because I'm a, I'm a pilgrim. I'm a stranger. It's a foreign land. I don't really care. Right. What I care about is the gospel and planting churches and stuff. So same thing in America. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, and and I, you know, I really, I think. I think it's great, you know, that, that you can just, you know, detach yourself in that way from it. You know, I really, um, I think that's awesome. You know, I, I mean, I think about, you know, just talking about your sister and I, you know, for me as a Christian, I know that at a place where, you know, I was at one point, you know, I would be willing to argue with that person so much and, you know, I, I look back on, you know, some of the things that I would have said and some of the things that I would have argued. And to me, I realized like, you know, there's more to gain by trying to find the common ground with someone than there is to argue with someone, you know, and that's not to say that we don't stand up for the things that are right and wrong. But, you know, when somebody brings up an issue that we don't agree with, you know, instead of trying to argue them into that issue or argue them out of that issue, you know, it's more like, 
where can I find the ground that I can work the gospel in here? And I don't mean in an, you know, in like a weird, awkward, like, Hey, how's the, you know, how's the football game? going? Oh, you know, it's great. Hey, have you heard about, you know, like, not like that, but just, you know, when somebody talks about, you know, the life of an unborn child and a woman's rights, you know, it's like, yeah, you know what? I, I, I agree. I think, I think women should have rights. I, I think she f- chose to forfeit her right when she decided to sleep with that person and the chance that she got pregnant could come about. You know, yeah. like instead of just automatically going on the offensive and it's it's interesting because a lot of people get disarmed by that when I'm like no, I think you're right. I think women do have choice. I think I think they should exercise their rights. Um I think they should exercise the right to self-control. You know, and, and that leads into what I believe is a more productive conversation than just saying abortion is bad and evil. And by the way, I can't say it enough. Yes, I believe abortion is bad and evil. Um, I think it is a great stain, not just in America. You know, that's one of the things that I hate when people say, oh, abortion is a great stain on America. No, abortion is a great stain on the world. It has been since the beginning of time. When, yeah, it's been around for a long time. Right. We've just found more clever ways and more technological ways of performing it. Yes. Um, yes. You know, ways. right. You know, but I think to me, I would rather try to find a common ground that I can disarm a person on and really engage them into the heart of what it means to be free, what it means to be a slave. You know, because yes. ultimately that's what you're talking about is you want women to have the right to this choice, but really what you're talking about is allowing them to be turned over to their passions and enslaved to them to revert to instinct instead of rising above that and controlling that and subduing that. Um, you know, and like I, I've had a lot of great, what I would consider existential conversations with people about those things, about talking about the nature of passion and slavery within, you know, following instincts um, that I probably wouldn't have had otherwise if I jumped right into, no, this is wrong. What about the child's rights and this, that, and the other? And again, I think all those things are true, but I used to, I just used to argue the position from a completely different point where I found it to be more offensive and it made for a more difficult time kind of swinging things into the realm of the gospel and Jesus Christ, where ultimately Christ has come to set us free from that. I don't have to live enslaved to those things. I can rise above those things and be free with him, you know, and that's not to say that's a, an answer where I come in and it's like, Oh, it's a, you know, it's a save all answer for everything. And, you know, you magically pull out these words and people are going to agree with you. But I found in my spirit, you know, going um, from an offensive posture with these people to more of a dialogue and conversation, it disarmed them and it allowed for a better conversation with the individual. Now, parallel, I think, to what you're saying is, um, and this is the way I think of it, pretty much, um, I, I want people to hear my gospel so bad and love of Jesus so that I don't want to do anything that could possibly offend them, be it political or anything else. Yeah. Um, and I, I really, I do not want to turn them off to my gospel because I've argued with them about politics. Yeah. And it would do exactly that with a lot of people. 
we have worked pretty hard, I think, and we've been, I think, successful at creating a very apolitical church mm-hmm. where we're, as a church, we're not going to argue with each other. We're not going to be the big thing. And we've got liberals and we've got conservatives, and it's all right because we're in Christ. Right. That's going to be the, the unifying factor for us when we're here. Right. Uh, some Someday in heaven we'll sort out who was right and who was wrong about Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton <laughs> and all that. Right. So I, I'm very happy the way it is that uh, we, we don't have any political tensions whatsoever, and I don't give them any clue. I'm, I'm like, very careful. I don't give them any clue who I vote for, what my views are on anything. Zero. I don't... I work hard not to let anything slip because uh, I, I just automatically turn some people off. I don't want to turn them off. I want them to listen to me when I'm preaching. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think that's a good point. I think that's something we should strive for even in our life is that, you know, if we're going to have any offense at all, let it be the offense of the gospel. You know, if there's something that's yeah. going to turn people off, let it be Jesus Christ, not our political views. Amen to that. So, about uh, prying guns out of my cold hands. <laughs> <laughs> so I assume in, in that scenario, a, a new law has been passed that says we're going to do what uh, uh, Australia did, and we're going to we're going to take from the citizens all the handguns in the nation. Yeah, it's uh, we're going to yeah. So so assuming that a law has been passed, Congress has spoken. Here's the new law. Supreme Court said, yes, this is constitutional. It isn't. But they've said, you know, let's face it, we do have an activist court, at least half of it, and they often say, this is constitutional. And the Constitution says nothing about the issue. Right. So what it really means is this is what we like as a court. Anyway, um, so the Supreme Court has approved it. Congress uh, went for it. We have a new law. Guns are not allowed anymore, and you have to turn your guns in. Here's where you go so on and so forth. Well, at that point, I'm obligated by Scripture to be a, a an obedient citizen. I would go turn in my guns. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't like it because my guns are fun. Right. <laughs> They're fun. Right. This is the fun part of my life. I like to go to the range and put holes in paper. Yeah. It's just a lot of fun. But, hey, uh, Scripture is really clear about the obedience that I'm to render to government and the kind of citizen I'm supposed to be. And... Uh, that would be anarchy if I said, you know, you're going to have to pry the gun out of my cold hands. Yeah. I'm not an anarchist. God yeah. doesn't want us to be anarchists. Anarchists don't wear the gospel well. Yeah. Uh, the Apostle Paul worked hard to, to uh, squash anarchists in the church in his day, yeah. and so did Peter, and teach them, no, you, gotta, you ought to be like the model citizens. So I think all those people who say, you've got to pry it out of my hands, they're just wrong. Yeah. Yeah. You agree? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I don't understand how as Christians um we can I mean, I understand it because we're still sinful and we're still prideful and we still think we know what's best, but as as people who are striving to put forth the gospel, I don't understand that if if the government says something that clearly does not violate our ability to worship God, um, how yeah. we cannot submit to that. Um, yeah. You know, I think the Bible right. very clearly shows us examples of when when the gospel is threatened, when our 
are literally God-ordained. It is not God-ordained that we carry guns, but our God-ordained rights, those things that we do when we, you know, communicate with him through prayer. Um, you know, we read our Bibles, we witness to others. When those things are in violation, then and only then do we stand in opposition to the government and not violent opposition, but opposition that says, yes, yeah, I broke right. the law and I'm willing mm-hmm. to accept whatever consequences, consequences come my way. Yeah, yeah absolutely. You, you, said, you made a very important point, I think, when you just said that uh, the Bible doesn't say, you know, we have a right to have guns. Yeah. It, it doesn't. The Bible says government has a right to have guns or the sword, Romans 13. Right. Um, so government has a sword in order to protect us from the evildoer and to punish those who do evil. So that's good, but there's no right for citizens to have swords. Yeah. yeah. The government. So, you know, you send me as a missionary to England, I wouldn't go to England and be like, yeah, well, I'm going to sneak in my gun too because they can't pry this gun out of my hand. Right. No, I'd go to England and be a good citizen and I wouldn't have a gun. Yeah. Yeah. Because... Sorry. Um, I think, too, you know, one of the things that we oftentimes forget is just the idea that, you know, when we look at the Bible and we look at the things that God has granted to us, you know, it, it really it boils down to salvation. You know, that's that's what we've been granted. You know, our our quote unquote rights are graced to us. Um, through Jesus Christ, you know, we, we really, we have no rights. Our right was to, to die and spend an eternity separated from a holy and just God. That was our right. That was what we deserved. That was what we earned. Um, you know, and it was, it was Christ who came and, and died for us, which gave us an opportunity to forgo again, our, our passions, our desires, that, that thing inside of us, particularly us as men that kind of stands up and puffs our chests at authority, you know, I mean, and and just, well, you're not going to tell me what to do, you know, Christ coming and dying for us just totally turns all of that on its head where you have the son of the God of the universe, the one who created all things, come down in the lowly form of a human and suffer the most humiliating death, both in terms of spectacle and in terms of actual physical death that one could suffer throughout all of history, arguably. Um, and somehow we feel entitled to kind of puff out our chest and say, well, when you pry this gun from my cold dead hands, you can have it. Um, I think some of the reason they say that is they are constitutionalists, and I do believe that the Constitution does grant um, the privilege to all the citizens to own a gun. Um, you know, I know there are different ways of reading that, but that's how I read it. Uh, however, we, we, what these people are missing is that uh, America has already changed. We're really no longer governed by that document. We're governed by a Supreme Court that's gone a little bit rogue. Mm. Mm. But we are governed by them. They are, they are not bound by that document. They, they make fiat law. You know, they're supposed to interpret the Constitution, mm. which means on a lot of issues they should say, well, we don't know because the Constitution doesn't speak about that. 
Right. Like, uh, you know, maybe even abortion, for example. The Supreme Court should say, well, it's not the Constitution, so the states get to decide. I'd be very happy with that right. approach to it. But instead, they've, uh, they've aggregated uh, the authority to themselves, and they exercise it. So these people who say, you know, you cry it out of my dead hands, they're failing to recognize America has changed. You lost. The constitutionalists lost. The Constitution lost and is now the Supreme Court and Congress rule. So recognize what nation you're in. That's it. Now be a good, obedient citizen. Well, and, uh, you bring up an interesting point, Steve. I want to I talk about that for a minute because, um, I mean, let's face it. The Constitution was found on biblical disobedience. The United States was founded in biblical <laughs> disobedience, right? I mean, I mean, that's honestly, you know, like, and I'm, I'm probably going to get a lot of hate mail for this, but that's okay. Um, but really, at the end of the day, you know, if you look at what the colonies did, they were going against what God's word said. I mean, is is that, you know, I mean, am I way off base or is that a fair assessment of, of what was going on? Yeah, there are there are good arguments, maybe I should say clever arguments, that can make it look otherwise. So I don't think it's an easy thing. I think if I had been a citizen in those days and, you know, a serious Christian, I was serious about being submissive to my government, my big question would have been, at this point in history, who do I re- whom do I really recognize as my government? Is it still England, or has a new government actually taken over here already? To whom am I responsible? Uh, that would be the harder question for me if I was back in 1776. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. Uh, one way of looking at it, it sure looks like, like, it, like it was a big rebellion. Yeah. Well, and, I mean, I think... I mean, I guess this is where, you know, things are, things are difficult because, you know, um, I think it was about, I don't know, four, maybe five years ago, I, I was reading um, uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer uh, and I was just kind of reading about, you know, his story and his life and, um, you know, he was by no means a constitutionalist. He wasn't, you know, uh, an American. He was from Germany uh, during... Um, a prominent dictator's uh, rule, Hitler, back in World War II, and was involved in uh, a couple of different um, assassination attempts against Hitler, helping trying mm-hmm. to help coordinate those things. One of the things that he said that struck which I me, think is pretty cool about Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this was you know this was a Bible believing evangelical Christian in the Lutheran Church um, saying we got to bump him off. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And one of the things that I thought that was fascinating was, um, you know, he never once harbored ill will toward um, any of those German officers, any of the German citizens. Um, One of the things that he actually wrote and said, and I'm paraphrasing here essentially, was uh, that he didn't believe it was the duty of every citizen to rise up against the government, Um, that that was not. That was not their call, that their call, as we've talked about, was to live under the authority to not try to usurp the government. Um, But he also said that if, you know, essentially if your conscience um, bothers you 
because of this, then you should act upon it. You should do it. Um, and he just felt he in good conscience could no longer sit by and do anything else. And I think that's very different than, you know, some of the things that we see with people where they're like, oh, you know, I just, I don't want to deal with the authority and the government that's over me. You know, I think he, as a Bible believing evangelical Christian, having, you know, read about his life and, you know, the, the struggle that he took, you know, to come to these conclusions, like, you know, this is something that, you know, I hold in high regard and, and respect. Um, no, I, I mean, fully accepting that, you know, I, I don't think God would ever call me to do anything like that. I think God has called me to live a peaceful life and to submit to the government, however that looks, um, as long as that doesn't violate uh, the word of God. But, you know, you look at you look at someone like Paul who lives in the time of Nero, who's going and rounding up Christians, lighting them at the stake, feeding them to his lions for spectacle and entertainment. And all the while, Paul never once incites the people to rebel against Nero. He never once incites them to, you know, go out and cause trouble. And as a result, when Nero tries to, the to blame, yeah, when, when Nero tries to blame the Christians for the fire that's cast on the city, no one really believes him. Yeah, <laughs> they know what his tricks are like. Right. Um, so, yeah, go ahead. So bringing this into the very modern era, so what do you think of, how do you assess the people who, uh, upon Donald Trump's election, yeah. the people who said, not my president, yeah, not my president, not my president. And I'm sure some of them were brothers and sisters in Christ, and some of them weren't. Yeah. So, so, so let's find a Christian out in that crowd. Let's interview him. He says, not my president. What do you think of him saying that? Yeah. I mean, again, I go back to, um, you know, where, where Paul says, you know, honor the King, honor the emperor, you know, he, he's not going around. Paul's not going around saying, this is not my emperor. My emperor is Jesus. You know, <laughs> I mean, and let's be real. Yeah. Even when Jesus is on earth, he's not going around saying, you know, don't, you know, don't pay homage to Caesar, pay yeah, homage to God. Pilate. Right. Yeah. You know, no, Pilate's not my emperor. Right. Exactly. No. I mean, Christ comes in and he says, you know what? Render unto thing, uh, render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar, and to God the things that are God. You know, and yes. Um, Again, so, I think if, if we have a duly elected president and somebody says he's not my president, they're, they're kind of essentially an anarchist. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm going to revolt against the, the president and deny him his existence and his rightful holding of the office. Right. Yeah, and I think you know, I think. With that, you know, you you hear these people too, you know, who who talk about, well, if I ever met the president, I would never shake his hand, and you know, I would, uh-huh. you know, things like that, and it's it's interesting because I think about something even as basic as that, and I I can't think of anyone that I would not, if they extended their hand to me, I would not take it. The only you, guy I can think of is the guy that I know never washes that hand. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's hygiene but there no, you I, go. I know what you're saying and i totally agree with you yeah i mean i you know i'm trying to think about some of the people that i have worked with in the past or that i've come into contact with the past 
people that have really done a number on me in terms of, you know, the way that they traded me. And, and I can't even think of an instance where, you know, when they extended their hand to be cordial, even if it was fake and phony, um, where I didn't take it because to me, that's just, it's just respect. You know, it's just, you know, Jesus says, if if you only greet your friends, yeah. What, what, you know, what reward do you have? You know, everybody does that. Right. So we're supposed to love our enemies, pray for them, bless them, do good for them. Mm-hmm. So if my enemy's daughter has a wedding and I get invited, I'm going to go. I'm going to give her a nice present. Yes. I'm going to shake hands. I'm going to tell everybody how happy I am for them. Yes. Yeah. I, and I think that's good, bringing in that perspective Steve, about, you know, just in general, when you think about, you know, our enemies and, you know, I, I certainly don't view, um, our current president, Donald Trump as an enemy. I, you know, I, my reasons for not voting for him in the election last year, um, have nothing to do with how I think he's done in office. And, and I find it interesting because when I, when I speak with people about, politics and i say okay you don't like president trump i that that's cool can you name for me three political decisions he has made that you don't like not not the things that he's tweeted not the things that he said can you name three political decisions he's made that you don't like and it's fascinating how people go quiet all of a sudden now, my sister had one response to that, because uh-huh. I, I put that to her, and her response was, well, he's done a lot of deregulating, you know, for businesses and stuff, so they have a little more breathing room to operate the business. He's done a lot of deregulating, and uh-huh. I'm afraid that that's going to have dire long-term effects on our ecosystem. Okay. And to me, that's a conversation that I can sit there and I can say, okay, so that, so what that boils down to is simply a difference in opinion. You know, you're viewing that as a bad thing. You're viewing yeah. it as a long-term bad thing. Um, is this good to the land or not? Right, right. And at the end of the day, only time will tell. Um, so mm-hmm. really, mm-hmm. even the decision he's made isn't going to be, you know, fully weighed until time passes, which if we're going to be fair with anything is how all uh, yeah. presidential decisions work. You True. know. Um, but in all fairness, I mean, I remember hearing the same rhetoric when, um, former president Barack Obama was in office, you know, and people would say how much they disliked him and how he wasn't doing anything good for the country and how he was doing this or wasn't doing that. And, you know, um, posing the question, okay, you, you don't like him. You don't like his politics. That's, that's fair. I mean, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with saying I don't agree with that person's politics. Can you name for me three things that you don't agree with? Um, silent. Yeah. Amazingly silent, you know? Um, and I, I just, I do, I find it interesting when people, when people start talking, how it's all in terms of the character. And I think character is important. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think character is important, but let's be honest. When you go back and you look at the character of, uh, John F. Kennedy and the things that he did in the office and the things that he said, we just didn't have Twitter when he was around. 
Um, we didn't have all the media sensation and hype when he was around. Um, you know, but but we look at what goes on today and we're absolutely appalled by it and forget that this stuff again has been going on for decades. Um, we just didn't have sure. all the news coverage of it. Yeah, I think one of the things you're pointing out here is, is kind of a broader subject, and that is uh, when you ask the people, can you tell me one thing you know, that he did that you disagree with, and they can't? Yeah. Um, uh, we humans are way more irrational in most or all of our decision-making than we can possibly even imagine. Yeah. Um, we are We are influenced by so many things. There have been some amazing studies uh, done on this, and the author Malcolm Gladwell. Does that ring a bell? Canadian journalist guy. It does sound familiar. Um, yeah. Let me see if I can remember the names of his book. One was Outliers. One was the uh, the Tipping Point. Okay. One was interestingly enough David and Goliath. Huh. Uh, anyway, in one of those, I forget which one. Um, you'll find them at all airports in the kiosk. You know. In <laughs> one of those, uh, he, he spends a lot of time revealing what studies have found on how irrational we really are in decision-making. Like, um, oh man, I can't even remember an example, but just silly stuff like, oh, never mind, because I can't remember. Go buy the books. <laughs> I need to review them now so that I can have some of those at my fingertips. So, yeah, when it comes to politics, we're, we're incredibly, incredibly irrational, and we're really influenced by a lot of other things. Yeah. But so so um so by the way, Nathan. Yes. If you're when you're considering a candidate for the presidency and you may or may not vote for him or her, mm-hmm. what is it that you're looking for in a president? What do you want from a president? What is the president there for to yeah. you? You know, I mean, one of the things that I would absolutely love to see is a candidate on the very first day going up and and running for um, office come right out and be like, you know what? Here are all my skeletons. I had an affair when I was a junior senator. You know, my wife and I have since reconciled, um, but there it is. I, you know, smoked marijuana when I was in college. I had a little too much to drink one night and had a DUI. Yeah. I would uh, – to me, I think it would be very refreshing to see someone who is first and foremost just very transparent and honest. Now, that's not the only characteristic that I would look for because I think I think you can have a very honest, genuine, sincere person who knows absolutely nothing about what it means to run the country. President. Right. Yeah. But uh, to me, I feel like in the political climate we are in now, that would be a huge step. If there was someone who actually had political experience, who knew what they were doing to just stand up and be like, you know what, before I even start this race, I'm going to lay it all out on the table. That'd be pretty amazing. Um, I think second, someone who demonstrates the ability to lead others, to not to not allow themselves to get pushed around by other people, um, which in many ways is why I think that our current president is a good president. Because I don't believe he allows himself to be pushed around. Um, mm-hmm. 
he doesn't allow other countries to bully him into decisions. He doesn't allow other people to bully him into decisions. Now, I think sometimes that can be a negative thing because I think sometimes it allows for some pigheadedness, some arrogance. Um, but you know, I think a genuinely good leader. I don't necessarily think um, you know the person has to be a Christian. I think. In the evangelical circles, we, we try to hype too much on Christianity and we forget that there are some really great Christians who would not make great presidents. Yeah, um, like me, for example. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I think we... Well, we, I just claimed to be a great Christian, didn't I? Pardon well, me. you know. I'm pretty pathetic. I, I'm saying it, Steve. You're a great Christian. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but... But I think that, you know, the, the evangelical community tries to, you know, ride that horse to death. You know, somebody pops up and they're a Christian and then they just try to ride it right on into the grave. And to me, I think it would be great if the evangelical community could look at a person and say, you know what? Yeah, this person isn't a Christian, but hey, they've got some great leader. They, they've got great leadership qualities. They've got experience within government that would help us in these situations. Um, I think someone who is uh, more technologically savvy in this day and age, um, you know, who, who, who has some skills, I think someone who's smart enough to know that they can't do everything, but knows how to recruit people. You know, knows what to look for when it comes to, okay, this is what our military needs. And so I know that I don't have the ability to fulfill that, but I know where to look in order to make sure that that gets fulfilled. You know, same thing with looking for a secretary of the state or a secretary of uh, education, you know, whatever it might be, looking at those different positions and saying, I know I'm weak in this area. But I know this person has a lot of experience and credibility working in this area, and I think they would make a phenomenal person. Um, one of the reasons um, why I kind of dropped out of you know voting in the the uh, the election last year was I actually I thought um, Dr. Ben Carson would have made a fantastic president, and a lot of people you know kind of you know, just dismissed me on those things. But one of the reasons that I thought he would have made a great president was because being a neurosurgeon and having to lead and coordinate operations like that, that's more than just complex. Yeah. That's more than just being a super smart, intelligent guy. That's someone who knows how to manage and organize people to make sure that this thing goes off without a hitch. Um, he knew, you know, he knows about management. He knows about what it takes in order to coordinate groups of people and get them to work together to accomplish a common goal. Um, so you're answering the question, you know, what would you look for in a president? Uh, in, in a way I wasn't even expecting, but a very legitimate way. I'm glad you're doing it. You're answering character qualities you would look for in the person or talents you would look for in the person. Yeah. Um, here's how I would answer that question. And I, I think both are both answers are valid, but they're on very different planes. Sure. Um, I'm working out of Romans 13. It okay. talks about the purpose of government. Why do we have government? Um, government is there to punish evildoers and to reward those who do good. Mm. 
So I want a president who will um, punish evildoers. That, that means primarily they will provide a strong military uh-huh. and whatever else we need for safety. They provide, government exists to provide citizens safety so we can live and move and do our thing. Uh, in First Timothy 2, pray for them that we may live peaceably. Mm. So what's the purpose of the government? So I can live peaceably. So I'm not always you know, worried that the bad guys are about to get me because the government is taking care of the bad guys, uh, either out there on the fringes, other countries, our enemies out in the world, or, or even nearby. So I really want what I'm looking for in government is who's going to give a strong military and maybe even strong police. Uh. Um, and for both of those, you need a lot of money. Yeah. So I'm also going to ask who could give us a strong economy, mm. who could give us a strong economy and we'll spend it on keeping citizens safe. Mm. Working on Romans 13, first Timothy two. That's, that's where I land. What do you think of that? Yeah, I mean, I think I think those things are definitely, um, I I think they're definitely important. I think um, for me, I never really thought about that and considered that. I mean, if you were to ask me, like, I, I mean, I would say probably about a decade ago, I would have answered something along the lines of a strong military, um, not really considering the biblical value that you just placed on that. Um, you know, but I, but I, but I would have considered that I, and this is going to sound, uh, well, I don't know how it's going to sound. I'm just going to say, it. you know, I, <laughs> I appreciate the service that the military provides. Um, I don't necessarily know, um, where I land on like strong military going out into the world. I would like to see a strong military, like, I, you know, for me personally, I was looking at getting into the Coast Guard for a while. One of the reasons why I was looking into getting into the Coast Guard was um, because I had a lot of friends, particularly in recent years, who kind of went into the military and then um, became very disillusioned with what the military actually has become in some cases. And, um, you know, one of the things they said was they were just, they really felt like, we were just too spread thin overseas and there were a lot of things that were going on with our interests overseas that they didn't feel like they were really defending America and American citizens. Um, and one of the reasons on the other hand, you have situations like we have now where, where ISIS used to occupy a lot of square miles on the planet. Yeah. And now they occupy almost zero square miles. They exist. They still right. probably exist. Right. But they pretty much exist in the internet. Uh, they exist in the cloud. Um, they right. don't, they do not exist as a group who owns a city because we've run them out of cities. Um, right. I, I think in the way the modern world works, we have to stop our enemies somewhere else before they get here because it's too late if they get here. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's fair. I I don't think, and you know, I'm just going to throw it out there. I think when it comes to the military, I have less knowledge uh, than I do even than politics. Uh, you, I mm-hmm. mean, you know me, Steve. There, there's a lot of things that I love to talk about and I love to roll with and kind of throw my opinion out there on. 
I think I have less information and less knowledge on things like that um, mm-hmm. that I could speak intelligently on. You know, in in all fairness, um, I could yep. you know I could throw some things out, give some opinions, but I, I don't think it would do it justice and service. I think. Again, I think that what our military does is important. I think they are out there um, protecting our freedoms. I know that the job they have being away from families and being outside of, you know, even the the familiarity and comfort of the United States is just – that is a hard, hard task. Um, You know, and so the only question that I would have – and again, this is just from – some of those people that I knew from more recent years, um, just asking, like, I, I do. I th- I think that when we went out and we went after ISIS, that was a good thing. I I would not see that as not being a good thing. But I know with some of them, there are some things where they were out doing these tours and and being on the front lines, and they would just say, "Yeah, I don't feel like I'm making an impact. I don't feel like what I'm doing is actually defending." you know, the freedom for people back home that the mission that I was specifically given had nothing to do with that. Well, the bureaucracy bureaucracy kept them from doing something that was really effective. And yeah, and that, and that could be the case too. Yeah. It's often a problem too. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that could very well be the case. But I'm, I'm sure uh, most of our hearers, well, I think most of our hearers would agree to this. If we if we didn't have uh, warriors, American warriors, out on the fringes, uh, our way of life would be drastically changed right oh, now. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's only because they're out there doing what they do, namely yes. taking out bad guys. It's only oh, because yeah. they're out there taking out bad guys that we get to live the way we do. Oh, absolutely, because, I mean, really... The proof is in the fact that, you know, I mean, if you look at really how unequipped the average American would be to go out and fight a war. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I mean, it's we're not we're not talking about like back in, you know, the days of, you know, the early American colonies where you had to shoot to live because you had to get your food and hunt. And so you could shoot. So if an invader did come, you know, you, you were equipped to do that. I mean, we are sorely unequipped as a nation to defend ourselves if anything ever happens to the military sorely unequipped so i would yeah i i would agree with you 100 percent that there is no doubt that our military plays a such an important role in holding um in holding enemies at bay i i have when i'm looking at political candidates the big question in my mind is which one of these will provide the best economy that provide and will use it to provide the best military so that we can continue living in the safety and the peace that we do. Yeah. 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 And I, I definitely, I think that's, you know, I think that is definitely a fair um, assessment of what to look for um, in, in a candidate. Um, Look, I mean, let me ask you, do you think, um, you know, I, I made mention, you know, I, I honestly, I didn't think whether the person was a Christian or not made a huge 
deal. I, I've talked with some Christians who are like, well, no, because if they're a Christian, you know that they're going to, you know, be, you know, that you know they're going to have integrity and you know they're going to do this and that. And I, I kind of yeah. look at them and shrug my shoulders and be like, well, you know, Christians are still prone to sin too. So I don't know that. But I mean, what are your thoughts on that? No, it doesn't matter to me at all. Yeah. In fact, I would think it would be very difficult to be a serious Christian and be president of the United States. Mm. That'd be really hard. I mean, it, which presidents have we had that seem to be real Christians? Like maybe Jimmy Carter. Yeah. Um, and w- what was what's the big criticism looking back at Jimmy Carter is that well he didn't do anything right <laughs> right too much right when you, when you're a man of biblical convictions it's going to be hard to make things happen because you have to deceive you have to lie you have to overstate you have to use people you have to fire people you have to you know you have to do a lot of stuff right. and. For a Christ follower, it might be hard to do all that stuff. Yeah. So I'm not even sure Christians can do the office very well, can fill the office very well, but mm-hmm. maybe somebody can. Uh, but that doesn't matter to me. It doesn't even matter to me whether like, whether their personal morals are the greatest. Uh-huh. Like Bill Clinton, you know, with Monica Lewinsky, and uh, Donald Trump with... Uh, crotch grabbing comments right. and stuff like that. Right. I mean, that's all, that's all disgusting. It's all sick. It's all, you know, it's not God's purpose for humans and sexuality and all that, but does it turn me off to them as a candidate for president? No, 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 not at all. What I, I don't want a president because he's going to be the moral leader of the country. The church is the moral leader of the country. Mm-hmm. Excuse me, Mr. President. That's not your job. Yeah. Our, that's our job. And if the country is going to hell morally, it's the church's fault, not the president's fault. So uh, I'm not hiring him for that or her for that. I, I would hire them again for military and economy. Yeah, yeah. Well, let, I mean, let me ask you that because, uh, you know, I find it interesting you said him or her. Um, thoughts on um, female president? Well, actually, I would love to see it happen. Yeah? Just because, we, you know, how many presidents have we had? We're up to, what is it now? It's a 48? Yeah, forty-eight, I think. Oh, I, something I right know. around there. Yeah, we're showing our ignorance here. I Look know, out. Right? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, we've had a lot of presidents. They're all males. I'm I'm happy that women have come a long way and have uh, you know a, a lot of equal rights and are doing much better pay wise and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I'm happy for that. I'd be happy to see. I I was happy when Barack Obama became president for this reason. It's wonderful that we have a black man in that office. Right, right. I just thought it was so cool that we were able to do that. We were able to vote a black man to be the leader of the most powerful nation on the earth. Yeah. So whether I agree with any of his politics or not, that's a different issue. But I thought that point alone was pretty cool. Yeah. I would feel the same way about a woman being elected president. Now, you know, you get into the whole thing of uh, women and men are different. Let's, let's not fool ourselves. Not just plumbing-wise, either. Not just men are bigger and have more muscles. Uh, Men and women are different. Right. Uh, So how would a woman handle the job? Well, history can help us there. I mean, look at Margaret Thatcher. How did she do? Wow. Yeah. So it depends on the woman. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think? Would you be happy to see a woman elected? Yeah, I mean, that, that, that completely wouldn't bother me at all. You know, like you said, um, when, you know, President Barack Obama was elected, you know, I thought, you know, that was, that was a really neat moment in history. Yeah, um, milestone. 
you know, of course, I mean, back in 2000, I voted for Alan Keyes to be elected. Um, I, I, you know, just I felt like he would have made a much better president just because of his standing in the UN and the things that he had done there. Um, you know, so just politically, I would have rather seen that. But like, I think in terms of like what the American people were ready to see, I thought that was a really cool thing. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think, I think it would be a good step, but I, I would like to see someone who would be a strong leader in there. You know, I don't want to see a yeah. woman put in that position set up to fail. And I yeah. almost feel like in some ways, if Hillary Clinton had got the position, that's what would have happened. Hmm. Um, and I, and I, there are going to be a lot of people who disagree with me and that's fine, but like, but I really I don't think she would have made as strong of a leader as people think she would have. Um, yeah, I, I totally agree. With you. you know, and so I think that would I, I would like to see you know the right woman placed in there to show that no, a strong woman leader can be placed in this position and be an effective leader of the United States of America. That's what I mm-hmm. want to see. It is an uncommon woman who could do that. Yeah. But let's face it, it's also a very uncommon man who can be president. That's true. I mean, really, yeah. would you want to be president? Uh, I've toyed around with it a little bit. Uh, part of the reason why I don't pursue it is because Joy doesn't want me to be president. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ask me that question. Would I want to be president? Would you want to be president, Steve? Not, Not at no all. No <laughs> way, man. I mean, God help the nation that has me as president. But also, I would just hate it. Yeah. I'd, I'd wither on the vine. It's not the kind of work I want to do, and it's not the kind of life I want to live. It's a rare person who can handle that. Yeah, yeah. It's the same with a lot of people who make gobs of money, who yeah. are like self-made billionaires and stuff. Uh, they They are so driven. They will work 16 hours a day, seven days a week, for 30 years to turn that company into a billion, billion, billion dollar industry. Yeah. And then, uh, uh, you know, we wonder why are so many of them males? Because it's males with testosterone who are driven like that. Um, it's not because the, the opportunities aren't there for women. It's that women say, I don't want that life. Right. Well, and in all you honesty, know, I, I want to have know. kids. I want to have a husband. I want to have a family life. Right. Um, right. So no, I, I don't want that life. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think, you know, I think it's true. Like, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, the reality is if that was something that I was really passionate about, I would go out and pursue it. I'm just not, uh, I'm not passionate about doing that. Um, you know, I just, Come on, man, let's start, let's start a thing. Next election. <laughs> Vote for Bell. Nathan Bell. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, it, it is funny though. Cause joy and I have had a couple conversations about what if, you know, what if I were to go into politics? What if I were to do this, that, the other? And she's just like, you know what? I just, um, I, and she, you know, she's, she's probably more kind and generous than I deserve. Well, she's definitely more kind and generous than I deserve. She's like, you know what? I think you'd make a great politician. I don't want that lifestyle. So we're not uh, doing that. So she just so kind of puts the kibosh on it right um, away. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, okay. <laughs> Okay, dear. Yep, yeah. pretty much. Um, so happy, happy wife, happy life. So I'm, I'm willing to forgo that. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, 
Well, I think I think this has been great, Steve. You know, one of the things that I always love about when we choose topics and discuss them is it's never quite what I have pictured in my mind, and that's never a bad thing. The discussion always <laughs> takes on a life of its own, and I just I really love and appreciate that. You know, that we can kind of throw a topic out there and just see where it meanders and where it goes. Um, yeah, I think that's fun too. So, totally well, agree. We are a little over an hour into this, so I think now is a good place to sign off. Um, real quick, just you know, throw it out there. Um, you know, want to remind people, um, shop Mission Aware. Uh, we're going to be joining with Grace Hill Media here. We've actually kind of officially set that we're going to be having our first guest on next week with them. Um, so really looking forward to that. And then also don't forget to send out iTunes reviews for us. That's one of the big things we're going to be pushing. I know some of you are greedily waiting for, um, you know, some of the stuff that we're going to have going out, um, in February, we said we were going to start pushing and promoting some of that stuff, which we will. Um, but here's the deal. Even before iTunes reviews and things like that, you know, make sure you like us on Facebook and Twitter because, um, being, affiliated with Grace Hill Media, possibly working to get back with PNR um, Publishing. Um, we are going to be having a lot of free giveaways and we are going to be splitting that. So wanting to boost our Facebook presence, wanting to boost our Twitter presence, and then make sure that we are um, well reviewed on iTunes so that more people can get a hold of us and they're able to locate us when they're searching. So looking forward to, again, the upcoming year. 2018 and all that it has to offer. Steve, this has been an oh, hang on, awesome hang on. Before you rock the cast up, yeah, yeah, I just want all the hearers to know that the real reason Nathan is shutting down this podcast for tonight now is that he's afraid my next question will be, what do you think of Donald Trump? <laughs> <laughs> so take that. <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> Steve, we just rocked the Casbah. <laughs> rocked it. These go to 11.